<laughs> All right. Now how I follow that. <clears throat> well, good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater, and happy Father's Day to all those fathers out there, whether you're a biological father, whether you're a stepfather, grandfather, or you've played some sort of role in a, a child's life. Um, happy Father's Day. So glad that you're here with us this morning, and as we dive in, I'm going to share with you a story about uh, my father, and as I think about my father, I think about a man who is kind, compassionate, patient, and merciful. When I was growing up, I remember my father having these characteristics, and I knew that he loved Jesus. I would see him reading his Bible and managing the household, attending and serving in church, as well as working very hard at his job. But that did not stop him from spending time with me. He would, after a long day of work, he would work for 10 hours, and then he would come home. And you know what? I would beg him to play basketball with me. Here he is, completely exhausted, and I'm begging him to play basketball with me. And you know what? 90% of the time, he said yes. And that was one of my favorite things to do. That was such a cherished memory of my childhood. And when I became a father, as I started to get older with my kids, who wanted to play and do something after work, I found a new appreciation for what my father would do when he got home from work. Because you get home from work and you're tired and your kids want to play and sometimes maybe you don't want to, but that time is so valuable and I found a new appreciation for that myself. You know, and it was evident that my father loved Jesus. It was important for him to be engaged in my life despite how he felt. It was not until later that I found out that my dad, who I saw as perfect, he struggled sometimes in life. Later in life, I had the opportunity to talk with him about some of these struggles. And then I think back, and I'm like, wow, he was there for me. He taught me how to love Jesus and how to love your family and to be engaged in their lives, realizing that this is just a guy who struggles anyways. That made an amazing difference for me, knowing that God uses imperfect people to make a profound difference. So again, thank you to all the fathers or those that have played some sort of father role um, in the lives of others because it does make a profound difference. So as we think about the next part of our relationship series on parenting, the question to ask ourselves is this. What do children need from their parents as they face the realities of life? We're going to look at a passage of scripture today that's not a typical passage that talks about parenting, but it's directly ap applicable to parenting as it talks about how to deal with someone who sins. As we look at this passage with parenting in view, we want to think about how I can help my children navigate through the difficulties of life and the harsh realities that exist in our world today? What do we, we as sinners ourselves, do when our children sin? When both parents and children 
have a tendency to sin, how can we as parents choose to respond in a godly way? What if I already messed up? What if I messed up so much as a parent already? Is there still hope for me if I recognize the wrong choices that I've made? What do my children need from me as they face the realities of life? If my goal can't be to rescue my kids from the realities of life, then what should my goal as a parent be? Let's answer some of those questions today on Father's Day. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 to 5, says this. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Children need parents who love Jesus. It says in verse 1 of chapter 6 there, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Paul, the writer of this letter, talks about the reality of sin. He doesn't encourage it, but he simply addresses its presence in people's lives. So for him, it's not about if sin happens, but rather when sin happens. And as parents, we need to know that our kids will sin. If you're a parent... That should not be a newsflash to you. Scripture teaches that we are sinners born into sin. So what are some of our responses that we can tend to do in response to our children's sin? Number one, we can overlook it. We figure, well, because we sin, we have no right to say anything to them. Or maybe... We're lazy and we simply don't want to deal with it. Or maybe we're not acquainted with God's word enough to recognize sinful actions or patterns when we see them. So number one would be that we overlook it, and number two would be that we come down too heavy on them. We carry around this spiritual club hoping to scare the sin out of them. We create this fear, and hopefully we're going to just scare them away from sinning. Or maybe we conveniently ignore our own sin, so we treat them as inferior. We treat them as inferior to us, and we we shame them. Or maybe we expose their sin and then leave it with no recourse. In other words, we, we show them that they're sinning, but we don't offer any opportunity for restoration. So if we're looking at verse 1 of chapter 6 here, there's a breakdown. And that breakdown starts with being caught in sin. And then after one is caught in sin, the qualification is a spiritual person, a person controlled by the Spirit of God that loves Jesus, that person should gently restore. But to watch out. 
Watch yourselves that you do not get entangled in sin. So that applies generally to everyone. But let's take that and let's apply that to parenthood. For the parent, your child is caught in sin. As the parent, here's the qualification here, the spiritual parent, the one that's controlled by the Spirit of God and loves Jesus, that person should then restore gently. But as that parent is restoring gently, they need to to take notice and to watch out to make sure that they don't become entangled in sin. All right, now so... Be honest here. How many of you have ever acted wrongly when your child has sinned? Okay, come on, the pastor's got his hand up. <laughs> all right. Yeah. What we all have at some point in time um, acted wrongly when our children have sinned. Some examples of some don'ts. Your child yells at you, don't yell back. Your child says hurtful words, don't say hurtful words back to them. Your child disobeys you in any way, don't yell, scream, or use hurtful words. Those are just some examples of things, things not to do in response to their sin. We don't want ourselves to get caught up in in and sinning ourselves. So verse 1 shows us that parents who love Jesus work to restore their children gently. But what does it mean to love Jesus or be spiritual? In our society today, culturally, we have a lot of different definitions of what spiritual actually means. So let's dive into that. Can a person who sins be spiritual? The answer is yes. I certainly hope so. And they go, we'd all be in trouble, right? So, one chapter earlier, Paul writes these words in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read 22 to 26. Um, And as I read this Galatians passage, you can go ahead and fill in the blanks on your handout. You have a handout that's at your seat or next to you or something like that. um, Because we're going to address it later. But go ahead and fill in the words as, as I read Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So what does it mean to, be, to love Jesus and to be spiritual? Paul says that spiritual people demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. Those sinners, they live not according to how they feel and what they want, but out of a desire to honor God and live according to the good work that God has done in their lives by exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. In order to do so, we need to be people of prayer. Paul Miller says in his book, A Praying Life, I did my best parenting by prayer. 
we need to recognize that eh, we don't have it all together and that we need, we desperately need God's help and we need to come before him in prayer. You see, because our children's sin is a starting point that allows us to talk to them about Jesus. And what do spiritual parents do? They restore their children. The word translated restore in our English Bibles comes from a word that means to set a bone. Sin is a fracturing of God's design for our lives, a fracturing of our fellowship with God. So when we sin, we break something that needs to be reset or restored. It is parents who are the primary ones to do this for their children. And it's essential that they do. Parents must restore their children when they sin. As I stated earlier, we must restore our children gently. Spiritual parents work to restore their, parent, their children gently. This word is the same word as in the fruit of the Spirit in chapter 5. Though I think we could imagine what it looks like to restore gently, I think it's helpful to think a little bit about this. Restore your children conscious of the fact that you don't have immunity from sin. You're susceptible to sin just like they are. You are not coming down from on high. You are coming alongside. What if we remembered that we were more like than unlike our children? How would that change our posture toward them when confronting them when they're sinning? Our willingness to restore gently is a test of our spirituality. In other words, we can know if we are controlled by the Spirit of God or our flesh based on how we treat our children. In order to restore them gently, there must be an ongoing relationship with them. We must be engaged in their lives. Children need parents who are engaged in their lives. Verses 2 to 4 of Galatians 6. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can pride, take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Sin is not the only reality your kids will face. We've already covered the fact that they'll make sinful choices. But there's more going on in their lives. Pressures abound. Challenges confront them. Life presses in. There's temptation that oppresses them. There are emotions that depress them. And that is what Paul is referring to here in verse 2. He's, he's already covered what to do when your children sin. But how do we help our kids with these things? Children need parents who are equipped to help them handle the, these realities of life. You know, I can think of all the times in my life as a parent that I felt ill-equipped. Um, one time was when Elijah was very sick. He was being moved from formula to milk, and I took him up to bed, and I was holding him. And as I was holding him, he began to projectile vomit. And so much to the point where, like, I, I, I kid you not, the vomit was actually hitting the wall. So as, as I'm holding him, and I'm trying to clean everything up, and I'm trying not to puke because... I'm sorry, I, I'm a sympathy puker, so, um, so I'm really holding it in. 
Um, you know, you know, and I, and I tell you, I, I feel a little sick even talking about this right now. Um, but the, the reality was, is like, you know, that was not a pleasant experience. But the reality was I was, I was glad to be engaged in my kids' lives all throughout, no matter what was going on, whether it was good or disgusting or whatever it was, I was glad to be engaged in what was going on. You know, and, you know, we engage with our children by being there for them when they have a difficult day. We ask them questions, doing things that they enjoy with them. If, they're not in, if we're not engaging with them on a regular basis, it becomes difficult to speak into their lives when they sin. This way, we can help them carry the burdens of life, but we must do so according to humility. If we are coming at this from a prideful position, that we are so much better than them, then we cannot effectively speak into their lives. We need to come alongside them. Am I interruptible for my kids? Do I allow things and people to interrupt my time with them? When do I allow them to interrupt? Or do I? One of my favorite quotes is, a good dad makes your day. A great dad makes your whole life. My desire for my kids is that they would love Jesus and serve him, but also that they would know how much I love them. Have you ever heard the saying that love is spelled T-I-M-E? If most of the time we spend with our children is us correcting them, then we are not really engaged in their lives. You know, one of my greatest joys with my kids was having the chance to coach basketball. I got to coach basketball with them and, and play basketball with them, but it was such a blast. All the times that we, had, we got to play and, um, and I had a chance to coach them and uh, even got involved with, even though I really didn't know soccer, but my kids played soccer, so suddenly I had to learn it and uh, I enjoyed learning it because it these were my kids playing. And, and one of the greatest, uh, greatest things ever um, was the opportunity to lead my two boys to the Lord um, when they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And there was nothing greater than that. So as we consider all of this, we consider engaging with our kids. Um, oftentimes we can have distractions. You know, I, I think about how often like we have our phones out or how often you know you know think about that for yourselves like is it, how often is the you're at, you're at the dinner table and everybody's got their phone out or their ipad going or or maybe you're watching tv and you're watching tv and on the cell phone at the same time right you know all these sort of things that, that cause a distraction and and you know we sometimes we really need to be intentional about that time that's spent so we can pour into our kids' lives. And I like the idea of a practical way. Um, and, that's, and, I have, and that's the dinner table. And it doesn't have to be at dinner. It doesn't have to be at a particular meal time. But w- one practical thing is having table time. Having regularly scheduled time around the table during a meal. I know our lives are busy. And schedules for kids can be crazy But prioritizing that time where you can eat together, talk about your day, laugh, encourage each other, all that is so valuable. This could be that relaxed atmosphere that can allow you to speak into your kids' lives. 
Parents, we've got to stay engaged. Dads sometimes can tend to be the ones who struggle the most. And dads, including myself, can easily drift into being passive, simply present but not active and engaged. Dads, we've got to flip that script. We need to lovingly engage in our kids' lives. I know what it feels like to be tired when I get home from work, but we have to push past that point. Our children need us. We must encourage our kids to run the race set before them, coming alongside them and teach them how to follow Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1-3 says this, Therefore, since we, have, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the, sign, the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How many parents can relate to that? Growing, growing weary? Any parents ever grow weary? I know I do sometimes. You know, but this part, this is very important. Parents, don't allow the sin in your past and the mistakes you've made to paralyze you from restoring your kid in their sin or engaging them in their journey of life. Your experiences can be a catalyst for honest, intentional, and effective engagement in their lives. You don't need to fake it. That is what the next quality children need in their parents is all about, and that's being real. Children need parents who are real with them. Verse 5 says, For each one should carry their own load. This verse sort of seems obscure here, but the idea is to carry what's in your pack. While we help our kids to carry the extra burdens they've brought on themselves and the burdens life has set on them, we need to be who God made us to be. We don't need to fake it. One of the biggest pitfalls for parents is the comparison trap. We get so bogged down trying to be like other parents, or we look on social media and, what, and we see what other families are doing with their kids and just shame ourselves for not being like them. Just like I said when I preached on singleness, God has called you to be where you are right now, and he has you in the position to be the parent of your children, and he will equip you to be the parent that you need to be if you allow him to. Maybe you've had difficulty carrying that load. And along the way, you've learned how to walk with Jesus while carrying the load. When you see your children acting like you used to act, it's not time to panic as you picture them going down the same path that you may regret. It's time to come alongside them, to teach them, and to help them to understand and, and know that they may not listen at the time. They may, th they may think that they know better in the moment. Don't get angry at them for that. But instead, continue to be there. Open the conversation. Open to hear them. For Father's Day, for every parent in the room, the stage has been set. Your children sin, and you've got to restore them gently. 
You've got to be spiritual to do this. I encourage you to be engaged in your kids' lives. Play basketball with them. Maybe even play Rocket League, which I have done before, Ezekiel. All right. (laughs) Not a game I like, but Zeke loves it. Um, might even mean playing a game. This is a game where you have race cars and the race cars hit the soccer ball and this, to try and hit the soccer ball into the goal. It's pretty cool, but it's pretty hard. So <laughs> I get beat pretty badly if I play. Um, race, even racing remote control cars or playing, or, or playing a... Um, sorry, I don't have girls, so like, you know... Doing tea, you know, the tea thing, you know, pretend tea, you know, maybe doing that. <laughs> um, become, become like a kid. Become involved in the things they're involved with. You know, I found it so amusing how hard my father used to try. I was really into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the early 90s. And my dad, he would go and start using words like awesome and radical. And I think even one time he used the word cowabunga. <laughs> you know what? And as cringy as that might be, make the effort. Make the effort to be involved, even if it's cringy. Life is difficult. You can't remove every difficulty You can't shelter them well enough to keep the realities of life from touching them. But you can enter into their difficulty and help them carry it well. Your kids need you to be real. You've got a story to tell. Your life experiences are meant to be used by God to uniquely and perfectly position you to provide the kind of help that your kids need. God is a way of redeeming our sinful choices and and the painful experiences to bring about the exact resources and wisdom our children need from us. Finally, maybe you're here today and you realize that you're not spiritual. When you looked at that fruit of the Spirit, that did not apply to you. First, examine whether or not you truly know Jesus. If you have not given your life to Jesus in faith, then you do not have the Spirit of God to help you. But if you have given your life to Jesus, I would like you to memorize the verse of Galatians 5, um, 22 and 23, what, what you have there in front of you today that you filled in. I'd like you to memorize that verse. And this week, I would like you to circle on there ones that you struggle with the most. Is it self-control? Is it gentleness? Is it peace? Remember that God has put you in a position, whether you're a biological parent or you're a a stepfather or whatever position that you're in to influence the life of a child, God has put you in that position to make a difference, and he wants to use you to change these young lives. And if you felt challenged um, by the message today, I would encourage you to take that challenge and outside of here this morning. Don't just walk away and then, oh, you know, that was a good service, everything like that. But, you know, see how God can continue to change your life. Um, so I want you to go ahead and memorize that verse or those verses and, and focus on pursuing the Spirit of God and having the Spirit of God work in your life so that fruit is evident. Um, I have some resources before I finish also to share with you. <clears throat> um, 
out on the, out on the Welcome Center, um, you'll find 31 biblical life apps to pray for your kids and 31 biblical virtues to pray for the men in your life. I encourage you guys to each to take one of these. And I just have some resources here, um, three of which to advertise. Uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart, The Five Love Languages of Children, and Raising Boys by Design. Those three are books that um, you can order in the kids' ministry um, at any time where you're going back there, you can order that in kids' ministry. And um, then this one, you can't order back there, but this one is another one that I recommend, and it's called A Pray in Life by Paul Miller. Very transformative book um, as far as your life of prayer, and particularly, too, how you pray for your kids. So as we go this week, and as we move on to next week, I pray, my, my prayer for each one and everyone here is that we would be uh, parents that would honor and glorify God, that would be involved in our kids' lives, and show them the love of Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your guidance in our lives. We thank you for your word that shows us the next steps we need to take shows us uh, how we are to live our lives, shows us how we are to raise our kids. God, our, the answers are there. I pray, God, that we would just submit to you and we'd submit to your spirit and that your, the fruit of the spirit would be evident in our lives and that we would love our children. And God, we continue to see uh, more and more people come to know you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.